Welcome to the Laws of Business podcast. Here, we will share the skills you need to make your business a success. Learn about goal setting, productivity, time management, marketing, and much more. Hear inspiring stories with today's best business leaders and join a hub of thousands of passionate entrepreneurs across the world. And now, here's your host, Jamil Jama. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Law of Business. I'm Jamil Jama, and I interview entrepreneurs that can help you to start and grow your business. And today, I'm going to be interviewing Linda Fisler. And in this interview, we're going to be talking about self-publishing and entrepreneurship. And it's a real pleasure to welcome Linda Filsler. Linda, thank you so much for taking the time out to be here. How, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And thanks for asking me to be on your show. This is quite an honor. Awesome to have you here, Linda. And before, before we get into the interview, I'll, just, I'll give you a bio of who Linda is and what she does. Linda, Linda Filsler is an award-winning author and an artist. She's also a successful entrepreneur. She started writing when she was a kid, and little did she know that 18 years later, she would be writing for a major Fortune 500 company. She remembers sitting in the lab, feeling the creativity leaving her body as she continued to write, sending a script directly to Jean Rondenberry. There's a story there in the 1980s. Linda started writing a blind series, and life took over for a while and interrupted her pursuits outside the company. She calls it brainwash years when she had to buckle down to keep her job. Don't ask why, she says. She tried to keep her job testing TP and baby diapers to pay the bills, basically. She did that just to pay the bills. <laughs> After Linda got promoted to management, and HR director told her she would never be a manager. And uh, there's a few more stories about that that Linda will tell us about. And Linda considered that goal accomplished and resigned a few years later, setting into creative entrepreneurship. Linda spent her days writing, painting, teaching, podcasting, and researching for her blind series novels. The series explores the question, can three people, a senator, a female lawyer, and a MI6 agent, create an alliance that could change the course of history and stay us clear of the political divisiveness that exists today? Most, most interestingly, the research the Linda on Earth reveals striking parallels to today because history does repeat itself. And it's a real pleasure to welcome Linda Fiersler. Linda, thank you so much for being here. No, it's, it's going to be a fun time. I, I'm going to look forward to talking with you and, and exploring all of, the, all of the things that you talked about when you were reading my bio. So it's going to be a good time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Linda. And Linda, um, you're an award-winning author. What, what award did you win? Oh, I ran, I, let's see, I placed um, honorable mention in the Paris Book Festival, my first book did, um, in the Paris Book Festival, the Great Midwest Book Festival, and uh, there's one other, it wasn't London, oh gosh, I should know this off the top of my head, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I don't have my books by me to say, but there was one other one uh, that you, I had. You've won so many awards that you've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish, um, but yeah, I won Paris Book Festival twice. Um, wow. Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> so. Maybe was it German? Did, did, was it was it a German one? Because I know they have one in Frankfurt or Berlin or something. Uh, no, no, it wasn't German. Uh, I'm thinking it was. Oh, I know it was. How can I forget this one? It was Hollywood. The Hollywood. Oh, okay. Book Congratulations, so. Hollywood. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of awards you won. Congratulations. And how many books have you authored so far, um, Linda? A total of eleven books. 
That's awesome. And is, was it all self-published? Yes. So you know a lot about self-publishing books, yeah, they, right? Right. My first fiction book actually went through a vanity press, and we can talk about that in a little bit if you want, but um, all the rest of them were self-published. Okay. Can we talk about your first book then, Linda, um, before sure. we talk about your, your, your other books? Uh, when did you publish the book, and what, what book was that, please? Uh, the first book that I published was um, actually a transcript of my podcasts that I did with two master artists. Um, one was with a fellow by the name of C.W. Mundy, and the other one was with another fellow by the name of Kwan Ho. So I sat and transcribed a couple of my art chats podcasts that I did with them and then published them out. So it's just basically they were just there was so much information that they gave me on the podcast that needed to be out there. So I got their permission to do that. And they were more than uh, gracious in saying, yeah, go for it. And that's the first two books that I self-published. And then I published my How to Paint from Brush to Palette Knife book and uh, Creating Form with Value and Color, which is a quick read um, how-to book. So both, all four of those kind of went out in the same year, which was around 2014, um, 2015. Recent. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty recent, and that that was about what for that, those books. Two of them was for artists, right? Because you're an also you're you're also an artist, right? When I left Procter and Gamble, um, I basically wanted uh, you know went down the path of being a, a fine art artist. So um, I wasn't actually, even though I was authoring a how-to book and things like that, I left um, in two thousand and two thousand and six. So during two thousand and six and 2014, before I published, I was actually doing some entrepreneurial work as a fine art artist and working with a master artist here in the United States who's internationally known by the name of Kevin McPherson. He and I kind of joined, a, uh, created a corporation, um, and I was the business manager and his um, basically business associate as assistant for about five or six years. Then um, we we created a business called Artist Mentors Online, and we were mentoring artists via the computer. Um, and they would study with Kevin and I for about a year, and we would provide them with exercises that they would upload their images of their work afterwards. And then we would critique critique those images, and uh, we would have workshops and different things like that. So this this all started in about two thousand and six. And okay, sorry. No, I was just, and, and and we we stopped doing that <laughs> about four years later. So um, mainly because it it was very successful. Um, we had a lot of people from all over the world uh, applying to study with Kevin and I, mm. and I would handle some um, business coaching during that time, and Kevin would handle a lot of the the art critiques, and and then I was also in charge of running the website. Yeah, because a lot of people do want to learn um, art because. I'm guessing a lot of your clients were entrepreneurs as well and web developers, were web designers. Um, not so much web designers, but certainly artists that were looking to have a business, um, you know, a business presence. They wanted to start learning how to market their work and, and how to become more successful and getting their work in front of people, getting into gallery representation, all those different things. And, and so between Kevin and I, um, you know, Kevin naturally had a lot of business you know, business experience as well. So between us, you know, we handled a lot of the, I mean, Kevin, like I said, was very, very successful. And, and so was I at the time. And, you know, we were, it was a really good team. We had a really good time. And, and there were a lot of people who benefited from that, that time period. 
we we I, I skipped the topic. I went straight to the art. To That's the okay. art part because I know because <laughs> you're, you're an award-winning artist as well. You're an award-winning artist as well. Right, which is, right. Which is real cool. Yeah. Uh, but let's go back to your your books because we still haven't finished talking about that yet. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned some of the books that you self-published. Can you mention? Can you tell us about your other books that you um, self-published, please? Um, other books that I've self-published uh, is the Blind series, which is three fiction books um, right now. It's a kind of a trilogy. Well, it's not kind of. It is a trilogy. <laughs> and then, so think Star Wars. Think Star Wars. You know how Star Wars came out with its first three episodes, and then yeah. it had the next three and the next three. Yeah. This series is similar to that. It's the first three books. I'm working on the next three books now, and then um, I'll have there'll probably be more trilogies after this as well with the same characters. Um, so this particular uh, book that these are the ones that have won the awards and um, these, this, it's also the ones that kind of explore history and, you know, can these three characters who are kind of working together, um, which is an MI6 agent, the, the female lawyer and the Senator who later becomes president in the first trilogy, can they all work together to kind of change some things so that, you know, we're not so divisive and we're not so dysfunctional, um, you know, and, and, and change the course of history, kind of break this circle that we're in. So a lot of the same things that we're seeing today were present back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, 70s, and 80s. And this book is set and starts in Blind Influence, which is the first book, is uh, set in 1979. And then Blind Persuasion, is the second book and that's set in the 1980s and then blind alliance is set um towards the end of 1980s and the beginning of 1981 um so it's that time period that we're looking at so mm. it kind of um, sounds like a movie seriously it sounds like a movie um it i'm hopeful that it'll be a movie actually it sounds it sounds like <laughs> a movie i think i think that'll make a good movie seriously so yeah, a lot of the a lot of my super fans who have written me and my you know a lot of other fans that I've talked to have basically said you know this reads like a movie. I you know whenever yeah, it they, was when I was when you was telling me about it, I got a picture in my mind's eye that MI6 agent and that female lawyer. I could just picture it in my mind. It sounds yeah. Sounds, I thought of James Bond and stuff, but or, and uh, I, thought, yeah, I thought I thought of Indiana Jones. <laughs> I thought of Indiana Jones, <laughs> and I started thinking this sounds like a movie. This sounds like a movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he's not so much James Bond, though. He makes a lot of comments about, you know, uh, about not being James Bond every once in a while. But um, he's, you know, he's got his issues. And um, so, it, it, I mean, I don't mean it to sound like he's, you know, really bad or something like that. But he, he's not. He's he just has something terrible happen to him. There's a whole aspect in the book, as well as trying to change history. Um, they're trying to get through their or trying to put their past to bed, if you will. Um you know, Sean had been chasing an, an international assassin. That's the MI6 agent who yeah. killed his wife and child. And um, there's 10 years of his life that, you know, we explore in the 1980s that actually happened earlier uh, of him chasing this serpent down, trying to get his revenge for killing his wife and child. So um, there's a lot of that that comes into play. You know, it's kind of like, how, how can we change the world if we can't change ourselves? type of thing? You know, Definitely. if we can't, you know own up to what we've been doing so are you, are you trying to make this into like a a, a movie as well are you, are you approaching directors and producers uh well i actually um have a couple friends who are directors and some that are producers and um i've been talking with them but they're i mean they have a, a lot of uh, their own projects going on right now um one of the things about that process is you know a lot of folks 
think that what they're watching on screen, you know, happened in less than a year. Like, you know, somebody pitched them the story, they accepted the story, and now all of a sudden there it is in front of us on the movie screen. And, you know, and talking with my friends and, and watching them struggle um, through that pitch process, uh, it doesn't happen quite that easily. Um, some of the bigger name folks who are in the door, yeah, it does. But um, somebody who's not well-known or somebody who doesn't have a track record, like, you know, just let's just pick like Aaron Sorkin, for example, the one who did West Wing and now just came out with Molly's Game. You know, he's got an open door to to the big, big movie theaters or movie production people. But, you know, for people like us, these who are entrepreneurs that are trying to get the door open and things like that. It takes a good while to get that door open. I mean, I, I know folks who have been waiting, you know, 15, seven, seven years, 15 years or so before they've actually um, had a production green lighted and is actually, you know, in the middle of having the movie made. So it, it takes a while to garner that attention and it takes a while to garner that trust because you're talking about multi-million dollar projects being done and they're just not going to say, oh yeah, sure, we love this and we're going to go ahead and do this even though we don't think it's going to make money. You know, if we did that as entrepreneurs, we, would, we wouldn't be entrepreneurs for very long. So mm-hmm. um, it, it is a long drawn out process, especially if you're not, you know, on the A-list. So uh, yeah, so I've, been, I've started those conversations. I'm hopeful that I can get some folks interested um, and I know it's going to take a long time to happen, but I'm, I'm, it takes that passion to keep it going and to keep the doors open. So yeah, good luck with that, Linda. Sounds very, Thank you. Sounds very good. It's called Blind Series Novels, right? Yeah, the Blind Series Novel, right? The Blind Series Novel. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And and it's blind because the char- The reason why I chose the word blind, it's not because one of the characters is blind, as in physically blind, but they're blind to what they're doing and what they're um, what it, what they're doing actually affects how something's going to turn out. They're so they're that's that way they're blind, not physically blind. It's like sorry to talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to talk about politics. It's like yeah. Donald Donald Trump wants to arms it wants to arms that wants to give guns to the teachers, but he's blind <laughs> that um, the teachers might start shooting more people than the police are. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that, is that yeah. a good is that a good, a good example? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That that would work. I mean, you know if we're all basically busy in our, our everyday day-to-day things. And um, we certainly have our own um, comments and opinions and, and thoughts on how something should come across and how something should be dealt with. And all of those have, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, implications on what's going to happen in the next couple of days or what's going to happen in the next couple of years. Or, you know, another way of looking at it is how we raise our children. We are basically setting ourselves up for, you know, how history is going to play out in the years ahead. Hmm. Sounds like a very interesting book, The Blind Series Novels. Yeah. And that's you. a fiction book. And But, but let's talk about fiction, fiction books and um, non-fiction books. Uh-huh. Which, 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 um, which sells better? Because it's about sales at the end of the day. Yeah, so. I, ju- I just actually was reading a, a little uh, email that I got from a corporation that's called Reedsy, and they do a lot of research, and, and they have a lot of informative news- newsletters that come out. And they were just saying that um, nonfiction books just had one of the most stellar years last year. Um, so, and, and a nonfiction book is easier to market, and it is easier to basically get people interested in selling it. And that is because you're basically 
most of your nonfiction books uh, are either about very interesting people or they are about how to do something. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how to. Because of self-help. Yourself of, and I actually, I do have a, yeah, yeah. Self-help. Um, yeah. I actually have one of those out that I always forget to talk about. It's about how it's a guide to take back your time on uh, how to do time management. So that's out there as well. And um, we can talk about that as well. Later. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that those books, I basically, they market themselves. I don't put a lot of marketing uh, effort into selling any of my how to paint, but uh, painting books or that management book every once in a while on Kindle uh, select, I may offer it as a free, a freebie. Um, and that just gets me in front of people to market my nonfiction book or my fiction books, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, in my how to books, you know, about the author, I mentioned that I'm writing a, a fiction series called the blind series. And I, I kind of take that out. So anybody who gets that how to book is also going to be introduced to my, to my fiction side. Upselling, up, it's called upselling. Yes. All the listeners listening. It's yes. Called upselling. Right. Exactly. Um, so the, the easiest area to break into and most uh, of the successful folks in publishing will tell you, write a how-to book first, get your name out there. Um, you know, it's easier to get into uh, publishing with a how-to book. Uh, so that would be my first advice to, to anybody who wanted to publish. Um, think about, is there something that you can tell somebody how to do and, you know, write that out. And, you know, it can be anything from time management or if you're an author, uh, you know, how to, how to self-publish if you've self-published. Um, and, and then realize that with that are millions of books <laughs> that are under the same topic. So there's a lot of competition. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is. And, and that's true on whether it's a fiction book or a nonfiction book. Um, there is because of self-publishing, because of the internet, uh, there are, there is a wealth of books out there, millions and millions of books. And yeah, but I think competition is, is a face of hard at the lower levels. The higher levels, it gets easier. Like the more effort you put into it, the better your book, the less the competition, I believe. Do you, do you agree on that? Yes. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, we, we had talked a little bit prior to coming on, on the air. Um, you know, it's kind of like, what is a traditional publisher going to do for you and what can you do for yourself? Well, um, a lot of folks are finding out, especially not somebody like Stephen King, who basically sells himself these days, um, but somebody who maybe just got a deal with a traditional publisher and, and now they're thinking that their life's going to be made are starting to find out that it's not really true because it doesn't matter if you, to the reader, it doesn't matter if you're traditionally published or if you're self-published because that's just another title that they're looking at. And so a lot of the traditional publishers will spend a lot of money promoting somebody that's a sure thing like Stephen King, but they may not spend a lot of money publishing somebody who's just published their first book through it, through them. And, you know, so if you're waiting for that $50,000 advance to come from a traditional publisher, don't wait too long because it won't be $50,000. And, you know, it certainly won't get the same kind of coverage and marketing that Stephen King gets. So um, I'm not saying don't, don't query the agents or don't send your book to them. Please absolutely continue to do that. But understand that there's another option for you out there. And that's called self-publishing. 
And that's where you basically are in control of your story and your books and how you market them. And there are a lot of tools available out on the internet that can help you do that. And one such thing is what we're doing right here, which is podcasting. You know, that can get you in front of a lot of people. If I could, if I told you that you could get, you know, 50 to a hundred people in a room where you can talk about your books, would you do it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, welcome to podcasting. You can get 50 to 100 people listening to you about your books. And it's not, it's not just in one country. It's, it's, um, it's international. That's exactly right. So, and, and if you're posting your book self-publishing and you're posting it out to, um, to the web using Amazon or, or CreateSpace or Kobo or whoever, okay, yourself, you're actually, that reach is already there to, to the world. So, um, where there are, and I'm not saying that there aren't downsides to either tra- traditional publishing or self-publishing. There is, and and like you said, the competition is very fierce, and um, you just have to you have to have that passion, and you have to have that perseverance, and you just have to keep at it. And you have to put in a lot of time and effort as well, because Stephen King, as big as he is, as famous <laughs> as he is, he he writes six he writes um, four to six hours a day. Right, and he has a staff of people that handle his publicity, that handle his marketing, that work with the traditional publishing house, that answer his emails so that he can afford to write, you know, six hours a day. So he's got, you know, we're not going to have that right in the beginning. So, course, so, yeah. so time management is absolutely, you know, what you spend your time on. And, and, and you have, like I said, it's that commitment and perseverance that's going to make you break through later and networking. We have to talk a little bit about networking as well. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, something like a podcast can come in and you can learn um, from different people, um, different authors that are out there, different people that are trying to self-publish people who have self-published, you know, just talking with them and finding out um, the, the good and the bad and the ugly of it. So you host the podcast as well. What's your, what's your, what's your podcast called? Um, my podcast is called all things creative. And the reason why I, it used to be called art chats and I would just interview master artists um, even U.S. Or, or, or outside the U.S., depending on, you know, if they were willing to talk with me. And we just talked about, uh, in the beginning, art stuff, you know, art instruction, um, color theory, different things like that. And then I started branching out a little bit and interviewing some musicians and interviewing um, some other artists that weren't just painters and thought, wow, there's a really common thread of uh, creativity and how... Um, things actually become creative. And so I decided that I wanted to step out a little bit further and just start thinking about the creative process and have people come on the show and talk about the creative process and how that may be the same or different between authors and artists and musicians and, you know, dancers and movie producers and directors. (laughs) So, so I've had, uh, I like just recently I've had a movie producer on He's a friend of mine and he was on and he was talking about um, movie producing. And, and after the show, I just sat there and thought about what he was doing. And besides his passion for movie producing, that came out very, very clearly. I mean, it was very clear that what he does in movie production an entrepreneur has to do almost every day. So we have to watch our budgets we have yeah, to make yeah, decisions. I do that. I do that. I do that. I wrote. I wrote that. I write down everything. I, I write down every penny I spend. Right. <laughs> like even yeah. I bought. I bought something from. The, I bought. I was out and about today. I bought like a drink for one pound thirty a Ribena, and I came mm. and wrote, wrote down one pound thirty Ribena, and I wrote down the date as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'll good for you. Every, You're on every penny. Becoming a movie producer. <laughs> I write on every penny I spend. Yeah, and that's basically that's part of the movie producer's job, and the other part of it is making decisions that'll keep the movie, pro, pro, you know, going forward. I always thought that was the director. It's not. It's the producer. It's the producer that's saying, "Hey, excuse me, Mr. Director, we only have another hour of light, and you need to put this." together the scene together because you know i can't afford to have the the guys come back tomorrow and do this or we're an hour away from playing paying double time to these guys and we got to get this done and oh by the way this scene isn't important anymore so i'm calling it it's day we're done you know these kind of hard decisions you know these are decisions that if you just kind of take them out of the context of movie and start putting them in the context of context of business. It, it, you, you know, you start seeing yourself, well, you know, am I going to waste any more time doing a B or C in my business because it's costing me this much money and it's not returning on the investment. So now I'm going to decide that I'm going to stop doing that. And so, you know, you kind of the movie producer and you're kind of the director, but you're also, you know, this entrepreneur out there that's, that's trying to have this passion to, to, make your dreams come true. So um, it does change a little bit from when you're, you're working in a corporate environment, working for somebody else versus working for yourself. Because when you're working for yourself, you really are the director, the producer, you know, the, the movie house that's going to show it, you know, you're, you're also the artist that's creating the, the stories and the, the painting and, and what it is that you want to do. Um, yeah, it's a so, lot harder, but it's a lot, it's, it's a lot more fun as well. You develop it more is a lot more as a fun. person. You develop it is, more as a person. Sorry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is a lot more fun. <laughs> so, so and, Linda, and you're what, responsible. Yeah, so. I was going to say that. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Okay. No, it's okay. You're saying that you're, you're, you're also re, uh, responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're responsible. And then I cut you out. Sorry, I cut you out again. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. That was just kind of, you're, you're the one that's responsible for, um, for basically succeeding or not succeeding. Um, there, there are going to be times when things go bad and there's going to be times when things are really fantastic. Um, and you got to look at each one of those and just kind of stay on that middle path. That's going to keep you going down <clears throat> to become even bigger successes um, down the road. But yeah, it's, you know, you can't be saying, well, I didn't make it because somebody else decided to do yeah, this yeah, and that, yeah. and, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to work. I mean, it's like, I always tell some of my younger um business associates who start doing that. Okay. I said, you know, like point your finger and then they're like, okay. I said, point your finger at me and they point their finger at me. I said, how many fingers are pointing back to you? And there's like, well, there's three. And it's like, yeah. So what happened that you didn't do that caused this one thing that you're pointing their finger at this other person? What, what are those three things that you could have done that would have prevented that, that failure? And it's just kind of a, a, you know, the look on their face when they finally realize, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. It is me. You know, I need to, I should have done these other things. You know, I called to confirm or whatever the situation was, you know, there were things that they could have done that would have prevented the outcome that that's staring them in the face today. Yeah. So taking responsibility for what you do um, actually benefits you because once you take responsibility, it means that you can change it. That absolutely that's okay. correct if you take the responsibility for messing up and then you basically you you, you said okay i messed this up i'm responsible i can also fix it up because i'm also responsible for fixing it up that's right yep there's you know there very seldom is such a, a dire end to something i mean there's always number one you should always have a contingency plan um for whatever it is that you're trying to execute um but the 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 brighter 
the silver cloud to that is, you know, if something bad happens, if something does fail, step back, learn your lessons, um, try to figure out what it is that you were supposed to learn from that, jettison all the other baggage, and then move forward because you know that it didn't it did as long as it didn't kill you you're okay mm. <laughs> you can if it keep doesn't kill forward. you it makes you stronger that's right <laughs> there's a quote if it doesn't kill you what doesn't kill me makes me stronger that's exactly right and it's so true that's great linda thanks so much for that intro uh we're, we're going to talk about uh, and your podcast is called what, what's your podcast called again Cla- the creative all things creative all things creative i'll definitely i'll definitely leave that in the in the show notes yeah. And Linda, we were talking about um, time management for a bit, but then we started talking about um, responsibility. But, mm-hmm. So let's get, let's get back to um, time management. You authored a time management book. What was right. the name of that book? And can you tell us a bit more about it? Um, that is a, a, it, the name of the book is How to Take Back Your Time, A Guide to Time Management. And uh, it's not really all that long. It's not really all that thick. I was managing my time writing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, when uh, this came out of when I was consulting, doing consumer um, kind of like a consumer services training. And one of the things that I was doing during that time was training young adults um, how to do customer service so that they could go out and, and get um, like retail jobs or things like this. These are, these are kids who weren't in the typical mainstream of school and then college and then work. This was, um, these were kids who kind of fell through the cracks and were trying to get their lives together. And, um, you know, just any kind of job and, and steady income would definitely have helped these, these folks. Uh, so one of the things that I always stepped back and did with them was time management. And, you know, you find out that while they're complaining that they don't have any money and they, you know, they can't seem to get ahead and all this, they, they would end up finding out that they're spending four hours a day texting to their friends or on the internet doing, uh, playing games or, or social media. Um, you know, all these things that weren't really helping them get ahead, but was definitely keeping them held back. And so we went through this whole exercise and that exercise is part of this book. Uh, where they would write down everything that they did uh, during the day and then how much time they spent. And then we would, in the, in the training class, we would go through and talk about each one. They would go through their day and tell me about it. And then about halfway through the day, they would look at me and I just start, I would laugh because it's like all of a sudden the realization of how much time they waste came through them. You know, it was just, I really need to quit being on social media. It's shocking, often. isn't it? It's very, it's shocking. It, yes. Shocking. Yeah. It, it shocking. shocked every one of them, you know, they, they would discuss like, wow, if I really want to be an artist, I could take my two hours of social media texting time and put that to two hours of painting. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, so there was that whole realization. So they, they basically walked out with a tool and that the book walks you through this. They walk out with a tool that basically tells them where they're spending all their time and where they can make changes to achieve their dream. And so it was very empowering to see them have that light bulb come on and to see them make the changes. And, by, and tip, this was a one week training course. And typically by the end of the week, uh, it was four hours a day. So end of the week, they were looking at me going, you know, I'm already, I'm already doing less. And now I'm, now I'm painting or now I'm writing or now I'm, 
you know, studying this other thing so that I can go get a job in that area. And it was just, it was so, it was really rewarding and it was really empowering for them. Yeah, I read on Google, I don't know how true this is, that <laughs> astonishing, ast- astonishingly, the average person will spend nearly two hours, two hours a day on social media, which translates yeah. to a total of five years and four months spent yeah. over a lifetime. That's like five years of your life on social media. Yeah. Is it really worth it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the question you ask yourself, right? It's, I think it's, I think they mean that I think they mean that um, just browsing like every every, every right? minute, every minute. Right. It doesn't it, they don't mean going on social media to place an ad or right. Like there's a difference. Yeah, there's a difference. And um, you know, if you're going on social media to place an ad, naturally you're out there trying to market something for yourself and that's and time well spent that's time well yeah. spent isn't it tell what time well spent versus you know trying to get somebody to change their mind via social media for politics for example <laughs> we won't go there but you know we'll see how much likes you got or right or seeing how many likes you got or just posting you know what you're doing every minute of the day or you know some of that is is good like you know like i'll post gonna go out and and start writing book four of the blind series. And that keeps, you know, while I'm telling him I'm going out to start writing it or I'm going out to start editing it or how close I am in the the process of getting it published. um, That's a lot different. And I, you know, I do it once a day. It takes me 10, 15 seconds to say that I'm going to go do that. And, you know, the questions that I get after that keeps my books in front of people. It keeps people interested. So I even look at that post as somewhat advertising or marketing yeah. for me. So, so, so using social media for business is time well spent for, for marketing, for networking, for providing value. That's time well spent. But using social media yes. to um, waste time on, on seeing, to see how many likes you've got, how many followers, to see how many likes you've got or to watch prank videos. That's, that's, a, that's a waste of time. So talking about marketing now, um, Linda, mm-hmm. um, you self-published you self um, 11 books so far, right? That's correct. And was, was marketing the hardest part? Absolutely. It still is. I mean, you never stop marketing your first book. You are continually, I mean, no matter if it's five years old or whatever, you're still marketing your first book. And and one of the things, one of the reasons why I say that is Blind Influence was written, published in 2015. um, And I am now circling back because the first my blind influence is coming out April 3rd in audiobook. So now I'm back marketing blind influence again to, you know, hopefully an, an audience that has not heard of it yet. But um, so basically to do that, um, there's a, like a raffle coming up. I'm using my art side now to help promote my book side. And I'm going to be having a raffle where you if you buy the audiobook, you get X, depending on the which version of the audiobook that you bought, whether it's a digital download or a borrow or a, actually buying the CDs, you get so many raffle tickets per purchase, if you will. And then that, you know, and then basically what happens is um, the more raffle tickets you have, naturally, the better chance you have of, of winning the, the painting that I'm raffling off. So I'm using that as a marketing technique to get exposure to get fans to have purchases of the book that'll hopefully bring it up in its, you know, hopefully it becomes a bestseller, you know, for example. 
Um, you know, and then there's a, there's an option also for people to share this either to their email friends or, you know, via social media and they get so many more raffle tickets depending on which one of those they show. So, you know, this is one marketing technique that I'm using for blind influence. At the same time that I'm doing the audiobook, if they buy my paperbacks or they buy my eBooks, they also get chances into it. So they get to choose which one they want and how much price point they want to pay. Um, but that also results in an opportunity for them to win a painting. So, um, so that, that's just like one example of how you can look at different things and how you can bring some exposure and some marketing. There's that's plenty of ways to market. There's so many oh, ways of yeah. marketing. Yeah. It, you know, so but that's what just are the top ways for marketing a self-published yeah. book, Linda? Yeah. Yeah. So that's because just, there's an there's a 80, 20 rule, right? So we, yeah. uh, 20% of your results Sorry, 80% of your results will be based on 20% of your efforts, right? So That's what exactly are, right. what's the top, top, there must be um, top places to, or top ways to market a self-published book. What, what are the top ways, please? Um, for me, the, the one that has worked the best has been face-to-face because I'm selling my passion face-to-face with folks. So um, talking on a podcast about my books have been very, very helpful. Um, talking directly face-to-face, you know, booking in uh, book signings in not ordinary places. So what I'm saying is it might be hard for you to go into Barnes and Noble as a self-publisher and say, you know, I want to have a book signing at your store. And they may look at you and go, no, because I don't even know who you are and you'll never pull anybody in. So they may say no. So don't go to Barnes and Noble. Go to, you know, a little shop in a downtown area that has a really good business of people that, um, you know, will come in and want to hear your story. And, and book there. So I have been in so many places that have not been bookstores and have done really well selling um, my books. And then use your network of friends that are in your city or outside of your city to market your books through them, have them set up a, a place at a library or somewhere like that where you can come, you know, travel down to see your friend and then also include a book signing there. Um, Again, face to face to me works for me works the best, and that's because um, I can show them the passion I have for writing the particular story. Um, and it, it gives you more credibility as well. It gives people more credibility as well when they see fans wanting you to sign your book. Right, right. And I'll be really honest. I have not had all that great success using Facebook ads or any kind of social media. I don't. I don't, I don't think Facebook ads is good for books. Facebook ads is good yeah. for programs, courses, products, but for books, I don't think Facebook ads is, is good. For yeah. Books. I, you know, I've, I've had a, um, I've had an art, um, course out there that I've offered on them too, and, and really didn't do all that well either, but, and that could have just been me. <laughs> if other folks are getting that, that's great and continue to do it. But I, I've not had great success. And, you know, I just think it's a little pricey for not for no return. So I, I, would tend to rather put that money into a public appearance or a personal appearance, book clubs, whatever. Uh, and that takes some time to, to, you know, market that down. But I'll tell you the, the people that you go and see and that you meet become very, very, very loyal fans. And that's what you're looking for is that loyal fan to, to build your art platform or your author platform. So what, what are your future uh, plans right now, Linda? Um, well, I've, like I said, I've got this um, promotion coming up for the audiobook for Blind Influence that, that um, starts on April 3rd. And then um, 
the next thing up is the publishing of book four. I'm in the editing stage of that. So uh, the blind series book four will be coming out. It's called cloak. That'll be coming out later this year. So working on that. Um, and then we'll be uh, doing a, a number of podcasts with um, a variety of people uh, throughout the year for that as well. So um, it, yeah. So it, and then that kind of, you know, leads me into other things that I'll be be doing as well. So Basically, my days and weeks are spent either in the studio painting um, at the, my computer, writing my story, and then you know doing some um, appearances of, of you know in town locally and, and things like that to, to sell the books. That so, so all you do is work, really. You just work, yeah. work, work. So you love what you do. <laughs> Drink so wine. Entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurship. Yeah. Entrepreneurship. Linda, would you say entrepreneurs? They go mm-hmm. around driving Ferraris. They fly around in private private jets. They go on their um, the yachts, or do they spend more time working, working, working? Uh, they spend more. Well, this entrepreneur spends more time working, working, working because I don't have any of those things. But yeah, I, I spend the majority of my time. You know, if I'm not sitting at my desk writing something, I'm certainly thinking about what the next chapter is in the book, or what the next scene is, or how I can improve a scene that was before. Or I'm thinking about what the next painting is, and um, you know, doing things like that. What what my next um, topic will be for my instruction on my painting class on you know next Tuesday. Um, those kind of things are are always at the forefront of my mind when I'm, you know, when I'm not physically doing that. So Definitely. yeah. So so for anybody listening that wants to be an entrepreneur, don't think it's just it's just driving around in Ferraris and having fun. It's not like that. Most of the time we're just working, 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 and yep. we love what we do. So it doesn't feel like it's work. That's correct. That's that's absolutely true. So, Linda, thank you so much for this interview. I, I uh, really yeah. enjoyed this. If anybody yeah. wanted to contact you, where can they find you? Uh, well, they can look at my websites, which is um, com or blindseries.lindafissler.com. The, the second one is about my books. The first one uh, kind of tends towards the art side. Uh, or I'm on social media. You're welcome to contact me on Facebook. I'm more on Facebook than I am on any of the other social medias and Typically what I post to Facebook gets sent out to everybody else. But um, yeah, so Facebook would probably be the best place to, to get in touch with me. Fantastic, Linda. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, if you know anybody that this interview would benefit, please share, please share it with them. Please also let me know what you think in the comment section and subscribe. And I'm Jamil Jama. This is The Law of Business. And I was Linda Fisla. Thank you all very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Laws of Business podcast. Find out more about us on thelawsofbusiness.com. Thank you for being a part of our journey.